0: Hello, welcome to Parenting with Play. I'm Helena Mooney. And today I wanna talk about reports because it is report season, certainly here in Australia at the end of term two. Um, In the Northern hemisphere, you'll be getting your end of year reports and it can bring up a lot for you as parents, can't it? You can, you know, I've had experiences with both of my children of receiving reports and with one child, I'd be like, oh, cool. Oh, 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 oh ah okay and then with another child i would be like ah great excellent my child's brilliant so i really know what it's like to have two different sets of reports and what that can bring up for you certainly for me it would bring up big feelings around my um ability as a mother I felt that this report is not only a report about my child, but it's also a report about how good I am as a mum and that that's being graded. <laughs> and my child's behaviour, in, especially in school settings, is yeah, is a reflection of me as a mum. And when we feel like that, and I'd love to hear if this relates, if you can relate to that, if, you know, with some children, you might relish getting the report and in other children, you might be going, oh, God, now what? Um, So what I really want to offer is that, first of all, reports are not a reflection on your ability as a mum. They're not, and they are a snapshot of where your child is at in in a school setting, but it's not a reflection of how your child is as a person, of who they are, and of what they can accomplish, whether it's in or out of school. I really want to acknowledge, though, that the feelings that it brings up for you can be really really big. Um, And there's two reasons really why that that would be. One is that you feel, okay, you know, you might be failing as a mum. You might, you know, you feel you should be doing something else um, to support your child, that perhaps you need to be firmer with them around doing their homework or getting a tutor for them. You know, you can be really worried about the current situation with your child and, and, you know, wanting to fix it. The other reason why you can have big feelings around your child's report is that it can bring up feelings for you about your own childhood and particularly if your reports were, were not quite so satisfactory for your parents and you might have had difficult interactions with teachers at school or with your parents as a result of the report. And so you can have real residual hurt from those times, which you wouldn't have had that opportunity to address. Um, particularly if your parents were a bit harsh or where they felt that they had to bribe you in order to get good results. And so when you didn't, you missed out on getting something or that they were harsh and punitive towards you if you didn't get good results. So it's important that to acknowledge your own feelings around what happened to you at school. And it's important to acknowledge your own feelings around how you feel right now, because it's your feelings that are then going to drive your reaction to your child so what i really suggest is that you read the report and then you just hold any judgments back um you know pick out the good points in it for your child because your child is also wanting a certain sense of validation this is an external validation from teachers and that you know your opinion is really important don't go into any oh well uh, moments with your child in that moment the, the most important thing you can really do then is to hold your tongue around it and to recognize i've got some big feelings here and i'm just going to i'm just going to hold it in right now and then what's really important is that you then have a really healthy outlet for them it could be that you need to have a really big cry it could be that you know those feelings that have been bubbling up under the surface like perhaps you know feeling that you're not a very good mum or that your child is is not living up to their potential, or that you can see that they're struggling at school and and what's the what's the long-term future gonna be for them? And that they, you know, you can have this real panic about the implication of this report is gonna have for your child child's future. Does that mean that they're you know unemployable, that they're gonna really struggle at school, that they're gonna to struggle to go to university if that's Um, part of their future, or if they're going to struggle to get a job and earn enough money, you know, we can really spiral into the future and really, really worry. And of course, you worry about your child, because of course, they're so important to you. So it's really important to, to have an outlet for those fears. And it could be that the report is a catalyst for you, that those fears that you've had bubbling underneath the surface, to see, you know, certain things talked about your child in a certain, you know, your child's talked about in a certain way in black and white, in print, can really bring those those feelings to the surface. So I really strongly encourage that you, you really dive into those feelings, even though they seem really overwhelming and unmanageable, perhaps, or that it's almost unbearable that perhaps there is something wrong with your child or there's something, you know, the future for them is really bleak, Perhaps, you know, this, we can easy, it's easy to catastrophize. It's easy to go really into the fear. So it could be that you have a big cry on your own. My, my main recommendation, which you would know, is to to have a good cry with somebody who, who you trust and who is able to hear your feelings without jumping on the catastrophe train without going you know without going oh god yeah i'm really worried about your child or without minimizing your feelings without going no don't worry they'll be fine they'll be fine they'll be fine because those sort of platitudes whilst obviously really well meant when you can feel that you haven't been heard and your feelings really been validated or you know um yeah validated then they can feel empty platitudes so When your mind is really clouded with your fears, you can't, those sort of, those reassurances, they sort of bounce off you. They don't really go in, even though it's so lovely and reassuring to hear them, they don't really penetrate. What you really need to do is you need to have a good cry and you need to talk about what your real fears are, what you're feeling about. Maybe you're really frustrated with your child for not doing their homework or not stepping up into doing the things that you know that they could do So you need to have an outlet for that that is not your child, because when you start doing that to your child, what you do is then you start focusing on the on the grades, on them doing their work. And what gets lost in that moment is your connection with your child. And it's actually the connection with your child that's what's going to stand them in the most stead, in the best light, in the best Um, that's what's going to give them the best start in life, rather than getting an A or a D in their maths, for example. Now, obviously, academic studies are important. So it's not about saying don't worry about them. But it's also recognising the context that they are in. And if your child is stressed, and if your child is feeling less than if they're feeling that they can't do it or that they don't want to do it because they don't like the teacher and now there's this extra pressure from you because you've got a panic that they need to find a tutor you need to find a tutor for them or they just need to buckle up and buckle down I'm getting my analogies all wrong here they just need to get on with it then that place is extra pressure and when we feel under pressure from external forces sometimes we can work really well sometimes that can work well but a lot of the times it can cause you to go into panic of course, your child's going to panic, and then they just can't think well. Because when our mind is is cloudy and full of big feelings and fears and emotions, you can't think well. And what you need your child to do when they're at school is to think well. So take your feelings elsewhere. Take your feelings, write them down if you need to, and really dive into them. Don't be afraid of like, oh my god, my child is going to end up on the dole or homeless, or they're not going to be able to do it. Really go there. Because when you don't go there, what happens is it stays bubbling up and under the surface. And so then anytime that you then get another report, or perhaps a teacher happens to say a comment, you can then really freak out. And then those fears just pop straight up and they're getting magnified. But when you can dive into them, when you can really give them a voice and you just go, oh my God, this is what I'm so worried about. And I'm so angry and I'm so frustrated and I'm so scared. What happens, particularly when you have somebody who is there who can listen to you non-judgmentally and gives you that space, what happens is just like when we listen to our children, what happens with you, you will be able to move through those feelings and you will come out the other side. Now it might not be in a one-off session. It might take a little while But the more you can really face those fears, the more you will release them and you will then get to a point where then a report comes home and you're like, oh, okay, all right. So, you know, you can really receive that information in a calmer way and then then you will be in a much better place to make decisions going maybe your child does need a tutor or maybe you need to sit down with your child and help them go through some schoolwork or maybe you know you can talk to the teacher about a different way that your child learns you will then be able to find a solution that will work for your child because you are coming from a really clear headed point of view you're not being clouded in fear and panic which then leads you to then have knee-jerk reactions and coming from that sense of powerless, powerlessness state that you've just got to fix it and you've just got to force your child to do this. That's never going to work. So when you can release your feelings, you will then be clear again to think about, okay, what is actually going on for my child? What is what is the problem here? You know, maybe you just there comes to a point of acceptance going, my child just isn't really good at maths or my child just isn't really good at sport. It's just not their thing. And that they are going to be okay with that. Or it could be that you're going, okay, they were okay, and now they're not doing well, what's going on there? Or, okay, they need some extra help, let's get them in a tutor. But you're, you're not gonna be able to think that through whilst you're in panic mode. Also, your child is not gonna be receptive to it whilst you're in panic mode. Because when you're in panic mode, and uh, it sets up that barrier between you and your child. And just like empty platitudes bounce off you, you saying to your child, well, you just need to buckle down and you need to do this, it's just gonna bounce off them because it's too much. Because they'll be aware, you know, if they're struggling in a topic, they know that they're struggling in a topic. They know it's not particularly interesting for them or that they're finding it hard. So you putting that extra pressure on them is just gonna make it even harder for them. What they really need is for you to set that aside for a moment, you go and sort out your own stuff, And then you can reconnect with your child and really focus on connection, bring some play, just do fun stuff together, hang out together, be silly, enter their world. Let them choose and and show you what really lights them up, because when you when you give that to your child, that gives them the opportunity to really dive into things that are interesting for them, that they really do love. And it could be things that you think are completely frivolous. It could be the video game that they just think is the best thing ever. And you're just going, oh, my God, if you only didn't spend too much time on this video game and you spent the amount of time on work, you would be in a better situation. (laughs) So, you know, set that aside, enter their world, follow, you know, follow their lead, delight in whatever they're doing. The more that you can do that, the stronger that connection is felt between both of you. And then your child will be more receptive to you making suggestions. You will be calmer as to whether to make the suggestions or not. And things will be a lot better. And you won't be coming from that state of fear and panic and and relying on external validation by a teacher who they may know really well or they may not know that well. And they may like and love or they may not like and love. So that doesn't become the key determining measure of your child's worth or your child's ability and therefore of your worth as a mum and your ability as a mum. It's just information and from that information you will then be able to make really good decisions when you're not really panicking about it. So as I said I have experienced both types of reports and obviously the one where they're raving about your child is just delightful. <laughs> and you then go, yeah, I've done a really good job, but really it's a reflection of my child. Um And children are different and children behave differently in different situations. For some kids, they love school. I loved school. My reports were great. So that's why I particularly struggled with having a child where the reports were like, mm, really? Okay. Um Because that wasn't my experience. And so I've got feelings of A lot of you know my worth was around my academic achievement, which was great. So then, what does it mean when you know I have a child who doesn't have that? So there's so much that goes on around this piece of paper that comes back with talking about your child at the end of school. And I really want you to acknowledge what you're really feeling, not what you feel you should be feeling, and and to really dive in. Well, what what are my fears? What are my underlying fears around all this? And really take it to to where you secretly think it you know don't be afraid of it you don't need to show you know if you're journaling you don't need to show anybody this and if you're speaking it out loud you know be mindful about who you're sharing it with Um, you want to be with somebody where you trust them and go there because once you've gone there you can then release so much of that fear and then it it just as becomes a non-issue anymore and then, you can, and then you can handle things so much better. And then you will have that stronger connection with your child, which is going to serve them really, really well in life. And then you'll be able to also tackle anything that needs tackling, or you'll be in a better position to let stuff go if that's what needs to happen. Sometimes we just need to let it go that, you know, your child isn't going to be brilliant at soccer and rugby or even the maths at maths, which perhaps you were. Sometimes we need to let that go and love the child that we have and support the child that we have in what is what they're really needing. So sending you love around reports. Remember so much of that fear isn't real, but you need to move through it. Acknowledge it and move through it and really focus on the connection for your child. And then you'll be able to figure things out with your child. You'll be able to work in conjunction with their teachers. You'll be able to look at things from a a more um, measured way. And and you you and your child will thrive. And your child will thrive having that strong connection with you and that real strong acceptance from you about about them, for them, exactly as they are. And you'll be able to offer the help when they need it. All right. I'd love to hear how, how it is for you, how it is for reports. Um, what comes up for you if you want any extra help obviously I'm here for one-on-one coaching um, annoying to amazing is here for you when you've got your littlies up till about eight years old and I'm about to launch a tween and early teen program because goodness we need help there don't we <laughs> and for those who use littlies it'll be there ready waiting for you as your kids get older but reach out for help don't feel you need to struggle this through on your own. Don't feel you need to figure this all out on your own. You know, there, there are resources out there that can help you move through this so that you can then offer that beautiful connection with your child and you can really deeply help them at a, at a beautiful core level. All right, lots of love to you and I will speak to you again. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and you can see how you can implement what we talked about today with your children and family. Be sure to hit subscribe in your podcast app to know when each episode is released. And I would love it if you could leave a review and share with your friends. And if you want to shout less and connect more, head over to parentingwithplay.com.au to download my quick guide of five simple games, which you can start playing straight away. You really can transform your everyday parenting challenges with connection and fun. So have a great week and enjoy playing.